The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello and welcome all you Bulls fans to our weekend edition, our mega edition of the Chicago Sports Sports Ethos coverage, Chicago Bulls <laughs> show. I am your host, Keith Cork, along with my good buddy and co-host, Trey Hill. Uh, we are going to talk Chicago Bulls, an unfortunate game tonight. Um, the Bulls did drop the game here, 99-113 to against the Dallas Mavericks, ending their win streak at 9 uh, had a chance to extend it to 10. Felt like this was a really good opportunity, Trey, and uh, it didn't happen, right? No, no. The Bulls, I mean, they, they again had an early deficit. They quickly overcame it, though. It looked like, you know, that first half they kind of had it under control. The Mavericks go on, a, I believe it was, what, a 9-0 run? Yeah, to end the half to get it to a one-point game. And then the Mavericks just continued to take off from there. Yeah, um, you know, it looked like the Bulls were just the same old Bulls in the first quarter, and then um, this was just a frustrating game to watch. And uh, before we get too, too deep into it, guys, uh, listeners, please take a moment. Go follow e- at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. It's the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your new NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow it now, everybody. Uh, follow the show also at Ethos Bulls. Um, but yeah, it was a frustrating game to watch. Uh, to be honest with you, Trey, I felt like um, you know it's either either Billy Donovan got out coached here, or uh, Vucevic just just simply got exposed. Um, those are my two thoughts. That you know, just kind of like if I were to give the game a headline, there's a lot of different things we're gonna get into here. But if I were to give the game a headline, it'd be one of those two things. Uh, it's a little bit of an if if or uh, statement, maybe an if and statement even. Um, but, you know, the, the Mavericks in that second half constantly, consistently put Vucevic in the pick and roll, uh, took advantage of his drop coverage. Maxi Kleba shot like a, a shot like freaking Larry Bird again. You know, it's like he had like uh, what do you end up shooting? Uh, six of seven. Or I know something. he made I know he made six threes. Yeah, I think it was uh, six of nine. He ended up being he was like five or six at one point. Um, he just, you know, he was he was setting the screen, popping. Uh, Vooch did close out a few times, but mostly just doing that drop coverage and it was just wide open and, and he just happened to hit most of them. Uh, if he doesn't hit those and maybe it's a different ball game, uh, he did. He, that's kind of what he does. That's his role in offense. So, um, I felt like, you know, it was either Billy had to get someone else switched on to Kleba, um, or Vooch just had to simply run out, run out and try to close out on the shooter and just make Kleba put the ball on the floor at some point. He did that. One time, I think, in the third quarter here, I do have some notes. Um, but there was one t- one moment where he did run out at Kleba, forced him to put the ball on the floor, and it turned out to be a turnover. Uh, and I just wish he would have done it a few more times. What, what were your thoughts? So it wasn't even just the second half. Yeah. But even in the first half, they were just – the entire game plan in the half court was Vucevic's man in the pick and roll, whether it was Brunson or Luka. 
That was the entire game. I personally stand on the side of Billy Donovan got out coached this game. Mm. Uh, Vucevic was in the first ten minutes of the first quarter. I, it's hard for me to justify playing a you know a guy that big that many minutes to start the game without a rest, especially whenever he's being asked to be that active on both ends of the floor. He ended up playing thirty four minutes, um, not counting you know the last couple minutes of garbage time. You know if it would have been a close game, he would have been up towards thirty six. And given how much activity he was asked to do, I think that I think that's just asking too much of him. Uh, specifically, though, I think the Mavericks had more success in the second half. They started setting the screens higher up, and so Luca was be able to get downhill on those screens mm. a lot better. Yeah. And so Vucevic was he was he was being forced to drop. Like it was it wasn't a, if he didn't drop, Luca was going to have you know a wide open lane. He is the rim protection there. And so, to me, you mentioned having someone else on Kleba. Uh, I think it's called scat defense or scatter mm-hmm. defense, where um, whoever the other guy, uh, Zach Levine was a, a lot of the times, he was the other guy, kind of uh, the closest off-ball defender. Mm-hmm. And when you when you see Vucevic's guy going to get in that screen position, he needs to scatter over, and Vucevic just needs to rotate Mm-hmm. And if they if they give up, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, if he's knocking down, you know, three-point shots a couple steps behind the three-point line, then you live with that. But right. to just let the Mavericks can do the same thing over and over without any yeah. type of counterpunch. Yeah. That that was that was the big failure to me. And again, the the minutes thing. I when you have a guy getting in that many pick and rolls, being exposed like that. You just can't ask him to be able to exert all of that energy and play that many minutes. Yeah, I mean, there there would have been nothing wrong. And I don't think Tony Tony Bradley was the answer. He only played 10 and a half uh, minutes tonight. But I think, you know, maybe just shifting Derek Jones Jr. to the center position uh, and playing, you know, uh, maybe just three three guards, play Kobe some more, play – uh, you know, Lonzo can play some small forward. Um, you know, Trey Brown Jr. I think played had some really decent stretches tonight. Uh, he could have gone in there. And actually, some of the best defensive stretches we had tonight were when Io, uh, Trey Brown Jr. and Kobe White were in. Uh, those guys were really active uh, that second quarter, especially they got out and you know got steals, uh, got points in transition. So, uh, and they've been doing that all season. So I don't see why. Um, we didn't just go to that more. Um, that seemed to be what, you know, working a lot better. Like you said, it, it's just, it was frustrating to watch it happen over and over to know what was going to happen every single time. It's like, you get that, that feeling in your gut. It's like, you know, this is how it's going to happen and let's see how they respond to it. And it's like, they're responding to it the same way every single time. It was really, really frustrating to watch. Um, I mean, it's one game, you know. I'm not ready to press the red panic button. Obviously, I don't think anyone should. Uh, it's just unfortunate, you know. The Bulls obviously a nine-game win streak. Uh, this is the first uh, nine-game win streak since the uh, what is it, 2011, 2010-2011 season. Uh, I think that's correct. Yeah, 2011. I believe so. Yeah, and that was on okay. April 13th. It looks like. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's frustrating to see. But it, it gives the Bulls plenty of tape to try and correct going forward because this, mm. when you look at the Bulls' defense, this is how you're going. The Bulls are going to be attacked by you know talented teams. They're going to bring Vucevic's guy into the pick and roll, and the Bulls are going to have to solve this problem. Whether it's 
playing Vucheles, you know, having other guys on the floor, whether it's mixing up the coverages, whatever it is they decide to do, they're they're going to have to do something. Yeah, with the personnel you have now, I think, you know, I would have rather gone with your solution, which is like the scatter defense, um, or just simply getting, you know, getting Vooch just off of any time as a pick and roll, just any way you can get him out of that situation because he's just, they're just going to take advantage because they know how he's going to react because he's so predictable on how he reacts to that. Uh, obviously, I mean, if, if Cleva doesn't shoot as well as he did tonight, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith did shoot well tonight. Um, they, they as a, Collectively as a team, they shot well from the three-point line. If that doesn't happen, um, it's st- you're still in this ballgame. So, again, this isn't a panic button situation. It's just, um, you know, from what you and I saw, it's, it's a bit frustrating. So, uh, But, yeah, obviously the Bulls had won nine in a row, and uh, we, we were struggling to nail down, nail down exactly when that happened last time. It was the 2010-2011 season. They did it on April 13th against the New Jersey Nets. Uh, the New Jersey Nets, who had uh, Brooke Lopez at that time as their best uh, player. They also had Dan Gensrich, if you remember him. Uh, uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon a, Wright was on that team. Go ahead. <laughs> what a name pull. Uh, I mentioned uh, the other podcast about the Bulls shooting 50-40-90. The yeah. Mavericks managed to shoot 50-44-100 tonight yeah. against yeah. the Bulls. So they, they were shooting the lights out. They were getting the shots that they were wanting, just mm-hmm. picking the Bulls' defense apart, like you said, like we've both been saying. If the Bulls, uh, you know, there's, uh, I wouldn't say there was a lot in line, but if the Bulls would have extended the win streak to 10 wins, it would have been our first 10 win streak uh, since the 97-98 championship season. The Bulls achieved that uh, in an overtime win against the Detroit Pistons, uh, who featured Grant Hill, obviously, who played 49 minutes and 44 seconds in an overtime game and scored 37 points, Mr. Grant Hill. Uh, man, that guy was good. Jack, Jerry Stackhouse came off the bench for 45 minutes in that game. And uh, scored 22 points uh, and had seven assists, four steals. Uh, on our side, actually, uh, we had Michael Jordan, obviously, 26 points. Scotty actually outscored Michael, though, with 27 in that game. Uh, Ron Harper, Luke Longley, Dennis Robin rounded out that starting lineup, of course. Um, and that's really all, all of note there. But that was our last uh, game. We actually won 13 in a row that season. That was the game where we won 10 in a row. So there was a, there was a little bit on the line tonight. I was hoping that would happen just like so we can d- delve a little bit into history. But, uh, hey, guess what? It's our show. I can still do that. So, yes. so there you go. <laughs> so I thought Io had a really good showing against uh-huh. Luca. His defense, I thought it was – I think he, I thought he really stepped up and did an excellent job, especially trying to navigate the numerous screens he was asked to get through. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Troy Brown Jr. He had another good showing. I think he's just one of those – I think he's – shown to be a great glue guy in Javante Green's absence. And so it's just nice to have someone else that can come in and fill that role. Uh, I love that they that Billy has Kobe and Io come in together. Off, you know, they come in together. They're getting used to playing together. I, I, I like that symmetry with those two. Um, Lonzo, 50% from three again. He was yep. another just another good game from him. I know he only had the nine points, but – Another good Lonzo game, nine points, six rebounds, five assists, three steals. Just quality all-around play. It wasn't a terrible game, you know, it wasn't a terrible game from the Bulls on the offensive end. I thought they settled for a few too many jump shots. But um, yeah. With Lonzo when, you've been, I, when they've been as good yeah. in the mid-range, it's hard, it's hard to argue whenever they get those shots and they just don't fall. With Lonzo again, you know, I'm noticing again he likes to he just likes to take that rhythm dribble. Um, he got those a couple times tonight, and he hit them every single time. He got the rhythm dribble in. Um, sometimes it does get him in trouble though. At about 7:30 uh, left, I think in the second or third quarter, 
Uh, he dribbles into the defender actually doing that, and he's trying to dribble to the side of him, just, you know, kind of a little bit of a shot fake or a head fake, and then just dribble to the side and then into the three. Uh, defender didn't bite, but he still took the, you know, he, he was forced into kind of a fadeaway three-pointer that he did miss. So uh, something to keep an eye on uh, is that he, you know, just likes to take that. He might be a little bit too much in love with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, outside of, you know, taking advantage of Vucevic on the defensive side, the Mavericks also made a concerted effort. I know you and I both talked about during the game, Trey, of keeping him off the boards. Also, he only had three rebounds at halftime. He ended up with, uh, I think, six or seven, six rebounds. Uh, so he fell way short of that, um, you know, double-double New Year's resolution I have for him. And he only shot 35% from the field. So uh, it was a game plan to neutralize the guy. I think, you know, his shot was really off tonight. I mean, every single shot he got was, like, wide left or wide right. It was like he couldn't find the basket to save life of him. So, um, yeah, I think this is a game where if you're really Donovan, you, you can't play him 34 minutes. you got to play him more like 25 to 28 minutes and, and get somebody else in there. I think you're right about that, man. I, I'd also point out that three of those rebounds were offensive. He only had three defensive rebounds, so he was definitely being kept off the boards. Um, Derek Jones Jr. had five defensive boards. Lonzo had five. DeRozan had four. So the, the Bulls did an excellent job of group rebounding and mm-hmm. making up for it. But Vucevic wasn't in position to grab rebounds at all tonight. And it, it showed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dwight Powell was just constantly in Vucevic's back as soon as the shot went up every single time. So uh, it was just a game plan. I mean, they just they wanted to get in Vucevic's head. Uh, I guess see what happened if they took him out of the game, and this is what happened. And um, you know, we move on, we learn from it, hopefully. Um, but yeah, Io, Io Dasumu, let's you know, let's talk about some good things here. Obviously, um, his defense was just incredible, especially at Doncic's, and and I love seeing everything fighting over screens several times. Um, his IQ, even in the fourth quarter, he was telling Kobe to about a, an alley oop they were gonna throow, and Kobe goes and, and you know gets and stops it. Um, you know, he, he, the kids just sh- continues to shine. Um, can't say enough good things about him. Uh, it's making it really hard for me to, to suggest trading him at the deadline. Uh, but I do think that, you know, if we do get somebody like, um, a little bit more defensive and athletic that can help us, uh, with our problems with the Vucevic, uh, thing. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit in a later segment, but, uh, r- quickly, Trey, what is your, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I, more and more, I'm enjoying my uh, poor man's Mikel Bridges mm. <laughs> uh, comment I made on him. I He just continues to impress, continues to strive to get better. I thought he was uh, Bradley Beal the other night, you know, told him to be decisive. And I thought he continued to be decisive with the ball tonight. Um, just can't you can't say enough good things about him. Uh Zach and Demar both had 20 points, so that's you know that's another probably a I don't know if that's a streak right now or not, but it seems like more often than not they both hit the 20 point mark. So that was had, nice. Yeah, I think DeRozan had 15 in the last one, but um, yeah, I'm sure he's got a lot of games where he's had 20 points at least. Um, real quick, Zach Levine did struggle in this one, so let's not sell that short. We don't want to keep it all on Vucevic and, and his shortcomings. Zach Levine seven of 21 from the floor, two of seven from deep, uh, so he really struggled shooting it. But go ahead, go ahead, Trey. He has another point to make. No, I, that's actually what I was getting ready to say. I was going to say, but it did take Zach 21 shots to get his 20 points. Yeah. And that, yeah, you, you basically just kind of stole, uh, stole what, where I was going. He, no, I no, mean, he also it, he also had trouble, like, with ball security down the stretch. You know, he had some really key turnovers in that fourth. We, you know, we were down maybe eight, nine, ten points. Um, and you felt like maybe the Bulls could come back, and there was like five, six, four, five, six minutes left. 
and the, he turned the, the ball Mavericks, a bunch of times. The Mavericks beat the Bulls tonight. Yeah. Um, that, that goes no, no way about saying. it. Yep. But I, I did feel like the refs got a little tight on the Bulls there in the third quarter, and I didn't feel like the Bulls were getting the same sort of whistle when that, whenever they would drive to the lane. Zach especially was frustrated. And I, I kind of thought the, the whistle was just a little bit more lenient towards the Mavericks there in that second half. Uh, Lucas spent a lot of the first half complaining about, mm-hmm. you know, getting hit. And it seems like as he, he always he, does, <laughs> he reaps those rewards in the second half. As he always they, does. I, I, I get really I think that, that. <laughs> I mean, they beat the Bulls either way. It wasn't the deciding yeah. factor, but it, it was something that I, I noticed. And Zach is one who gets frustrated when he's not getting the calls. And especially to see the other team get them. I wonder if that maybe was a little bit of his uh, struggles on the offensive end. So a little interesting here, Trey. Uh, you know, going back to some other good things here. Kobe White uh, had a good game also. He just looked super confident on the offensive side. It was awesome to see, man. He had 13 points. Uh, five of nine shooting. Uh, but interesting to note, Trey, he did miss his New Year's resolution for from Mr. Keith here. He was only one of four from deep, so he missed his, uh, I think I put him at 34% or something or better from the three-point line. So... Uh, honestly, he's got to get more shots up, more than four shots from the arc, beyond the arc, I would think. Um, not that he disappeared. He was still doing things. I think he was taking what the defense gave him and, and making you know, awesome awesome reads and, and taking the ball to the basket and finishing through contact, and that was great to see too. But I want to see him shoot more, man. Nine shots only for this guy. Yeah, I would have liked to see him shoot the ball a little bit more. He, he had a couple nice passes and a, a floater that it, he knocked down also the other night. Uh, it's nice to see him add that little in-between shot because, you know, if it's not a three-pointer and it's not a layup, that used to not be his game. But if he can get that little in-between, that just opens up, you know, so much more for him offensively. Um, other than that, I I don't know why he wasn't more aggressive. Uh, I didn't really notice them taking him out specifically. It just kind of seemed like... The ball didn't bounce his like the open shots just didn't find him. Yeah, you could be right about that. I mean, um, you don't want to force shots, obviously. I didn't feel like he forced anything tonight. Um, just just feels like, you know, he's been so hot recently. and We, we really needed the offense and times, you know, it's kind of I kind of wish he would have stepped up uh, at right, other I times. Would- yeah. Right. Like it would have been nice for us to come on, maybe been like, yeah, I felt like Kobe, you know, he might have went five of 14, but those five times he forced it. It was nice that somebody forced it. Mm. And, you know, it, yeah, I, I would I would not have complained if we would have had, you know, a few more shot attempts from him, even if they weren't the highest quality shots. Kobe, an aggressive Kobe is a good Kobe. So the first quarter looked nice. Obviously, we were looking good. Um, it was all very, very promising. At about 7:45, the 7:45 mark, I uh, saw an ill-advised Luka Doncic three, where he took took a step back like he always does. You know, shot the three. He was a bad shot. Um, rebound came out to about the free throw line extended. Uh, Bulls push. That goes one on three. Draws contact. Doesn't get the call. But Derek Jones Jr is following up bully ball gets a few offensive rebounds and, and finally gets to the line. I love what I saw there. Um, and again, I think the defensive pressure there, even in the first quarter, it really stepped up when IO and Kobe came in uh, and Troy Brown jr. Um, just doing awesome things. They had a four to one advantage in the steals in that first quarter. So things were looking up, man. We were leading 32 to 22. And then, um, you know, second quarter uh, is basically when, when the cat or sorry, the end of the second quarter is when the Mavs started making that run. Uh, and they really just put it on us. 10:35 in the second quarter, Kobe White had that and one finish, which is such confidence. 
Um, just so so much confidence with the basketball right now. I just don't, you know, we'll talk about it again in a minute here, but I just don't know if trading him is going to be the right choice here. Uh, but Io and, and, and Troy Brown Jr. were both played great defense on Luca when they were on him. Kobe played great defense in the spurts also. Uh, 8-10 in the second quarter, I noted that DeMar uh, gets some very solid defense on him from from Troy uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., and he still scores on the fadeaway and doesn't complain, which is like a play after Luka Doncic is uh, is complaining he's not getting fouls called. So things were still looking good. I was feeling pretty confident, uh, I would say, by halftime. How were you feeling, Trey? Yeah, I was I was confident going into halftime. I thought the Bulls had shown that they were they had found you know a rhythm when they when they had all of their guys out there. Uh, I was a little worried about the Vucevic minutes, like I said, especially in that first quarter, him playing so many. I just, that's what I always worry about. You know, I, I like to see him closer to 30. Um, but no, that first half, I was really confident that the Bulls were going to be able to pull this one out. And even going into the fourth, we were down like three or four points. Um, and, you know, I just had the feeling it's like, okay, we've got two of the best four scorers or five scorers in the NBA, you know, in the fourth quarter. So I was thinking like, oh, like this is going to be a game where we win in the fourth quarter, just like we have been doing all season. And that just wasn't the case. It was just a case of uh, the game plan was just too much to, to overcome with with just raw talent. And uh, and again, it, there was no adjustment made by the Bulls. So a bit frustrating. Exactly. That That's what I was getting ready. To, I want I was hoping you would say it. They, yeah. How there was no adjustment by that fourth quarter, I was just amazed by. It was the, to get outscored in the fourth quarter by 10 points. Uh, it's just disappointing given how successful the Bulls have been able to be in that last frame all year. Yeah, and the Mavericks had a uh, an edge in the rebounds, pretty sizable edge, 48 to 39. Uh, assists, it was the Mavs again, 28 to 23, a little bit of an edge there. Um, steals, the Bulls had eight and the Mavs had four. So the Bulls had double the steals. The Bulls had three blocks to two blocks for the uh, Mavs. I thought the defense was good. In general, despite the, the stats here, I mean, the stats really don't matter. I think in general, uh, outside of the one thing we've you know, been harping on this whole episode, uh, the defense was solid uh, all around, I think. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought the defense was good. I thought the defensive effort was was really good. I, yeah. It was just they were they were out coached. They were out schemed on this one. And it was just, you know, styles make fights. And this was, you know, that that. I, that one, you know, heliocentric guy running the offensive pick and roll over and over that James Harden Luca. That's kind of our kryptonite with Vucevic when you're playing him like that. And it just came to bite us tonight. And I think it's easy for people, especially, you know, casual fans or, or whatever to come on and say, oh, the Bulls just didn't give up. The, the effort was there. The effort level was there from the start. Like you said, the Mavericks straight up won this game. It wasn't that the Bulls didn't take them seriously. It wasn't that the Bulls you know, we yada, 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 whatever you want to say. The Ma- the Mavericks just playing one this game. Um, like I said, we move on. Uh, the standings here, the Bulls are still uh, in first by a game and a half uh, on the Brooklyn Nets. And the Miami Heat are actually in third now, uh, who are two and a half games behind the Bulls, as well as the uh, Bucks are also two and a half games behind the Bulls. Uh, man, those Miami Heat though—they are—they uh, are impressive with all those bodies missing, and they're still still winning basketball games. I continue to be impressed by Eric Spolstra, so uh, probably my favorite coach in the NBA right now. Yeah, I saw that the uh, 
the two the two white boy shooters, Hero and Duncan <laughs> Robinson, they got 60 points off the bench for Miami in the last game, which is just extremely impressive to see. Kyle Lowry, I think, just shows the value that he has just running an offense. Um, something that they could really use in Boston these days. We uh, yeah, There's actually three white boy shooters in, in Miami, Trey. It's, uh, you forgot about Max Struess. Uh, oh, I oh. I don't. I think he I only had like him. 15 points in the last game, but uh, yeah, another another white boy shooter. Uh, they, they like those guys. Uh, you know, they've got a uh, pretty good track record uh, picking those guys up and, and having them have good games. But um, and obviously he's an ex bull, so there you go. There's your there's your pertinence. But I think we do have to recap at some point, Trey. Our uh, if you aren't aware, listeners, we used to have a show called Bold Statements, Not So Bold Predictions. Um, maybe we'll, we'll bring it back at some point. Uh, you should all like and subscribe to our ethos bulls podcast here uh and give us a five-star review and once we're famous and making money we can revive the other one um but we need to recap our uh, our eastern conference standings at least maybe maybe our western conference standings too and just see where we're standing at here since we're about halfway through the season what, how do you feel about that oh yeah definitely maybe if nothing else during the all-star break when we don't have a lot of bull yeah hopefully we'll have some bulls talk to have from you know starters and in, in the game but, you know, when, you know, you have those few days where there's no Bulls games on, maybe we can go through and recap how everything's going. Because we did have quite a few future bets also, so we can catch up on those. Yeah, and I feel like we did uh, we did pretty well. There's a couple of big misses. But anyways, um, so yeah, those are the standings. Uh, Bulls are still ringing atop right now, so not, it's not all doom and gloom in Bulls land. Just a little unfortunate bit of a loss tonight. Uh, obviously, tonight was... The big story in the NBA is it's Clay Day. That's the one and only time you're going to hear me say it. Uh, I'm just getting, I don't know, annoyed by that uh, statement for some reason. I've just heard it too much probably, and uh, I'm weird, so I get annoyed by stupid things. Uh, But there you go. It's uh, Clay Thompson played tonight. Uh, Interesting factoid. The last time Clay Thompson played in a regular season game was April 10th, 2019. The Bulls played that day. Uh, They actually ended their season – 22 and 60 on that day. And their starting lineup was Ryan Archidiakono, Wayne Selden, Shaquille Harrison, Timothy Luau Cabrero, and Robin Lopez. How about how about those names, Trey? <laughs> what a what a team. How quickly time flies. <laughs> that team, uh, I remember watching like the opening graphic or just like seeing that on Twitter as like, you know, a meme, just like you know, these are dark times or something. And uh and it was that just a graphic of the starting lineup, and obviously the Bulls were trying to lose, so um, not too surprising. But uh, yeah, some of those guys, I mean, you know, TLC is still in the league, Robin Lopez is still in the league, uh, Archie actually just signed with uh, with the Knicks, so uh, some of those guys still the fact, in the league. The fact that you're trying to justify <laughs> the starting lineup as well, at least some of them are still kind of in the league. Just goes to show how how big of a Bulls fan you are that you can stretch something that big for them. Uh, yeah, they sucked. Um, I'm glad they're they're all gone. Uh, I, I would t- I would take Ryan Archiacono back just because I, I love the guy's effort. He's just uh, a good uh, effort guy. That's why he's with with Tibbs now. But uh, okay, so let's talk about real quick here, uh, Trey. We're going to talk about trades in, in a minute, but before we do that. Uh, Quick little announcement, guys. We have a new brand, brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code Ethos when you sign up to get 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. 
Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Go do it. Thrive it up. Start thriving. Uh, I don't know if that's their their slogan. It should be their slogan if it's not their slogan. Um, but you can thrive with us for sure. Uh, get all that sports ethos, those sports ethos goodies. But uh, I did also want to talk here real quick, uh, Trey, about the potential for Patrick Williams to return. And um, before we get into you know what what that means if he does return, I just want to recap exactly where these rumors are starting from uh you know i i kind of struggled to to find out where where it was all coming from but I, my best guess is that it's coming from a interview that arturis gave uh with uh somebody where, where was that now? oh 670 the score uh and basically here's the exact quote it would be great to have him back that's that's kind of the headline there but it says patrick is coming back slowly the schedule is to be determined uh we're not going to put any pressure for him to come back. We're just going to go from week to week. We'll see how he improves. We'll see in terms of a date. I don't want to put any timeline on it, but it would be great to have Patrick back by the end of the season. Um, so, you know, I think people kind of ran with that and said, oh, Patrick Williams is coming back by the end of the season, or, or he might, um, which, you know, yeah, that's that's always been a possibility, right? I don't think anything changes here with this quote. What do you think? Not at all. It's, so when you look at the timeline, he got her on, I believe it said October 28th, and it's a four-month to six-month recovery time. Patrick Williams has shown, you know, he's a quick healer before. So if we get lucky, say he hits that four-month mark, that would be – let's say he comes back in March. That's still 20 games of the regular season that are left if he comes back in March. If he comes back in April, so that would be five months, he'd still have one, two, three – for four, at least four games, maybe five games. We have um, one postponed game that hasn't been determined yet. So he'd still have four games, you know, to come back and try and get his seal, you know, get his basketball legs back. But to me, it's uh, you see the pictures of him walking around without a cast on, without anything on it. You see the videos of him out, you know, shooting already, trying, you know, getting shots up. Uh, you hear about him staying in good condition, you know, running, doing stuff like that. It's it's hard not to think he there's a good chance we see him later this year. Whether it whether it's the very end of the regular season, whether it's at that four month mark, or it's just in the playoffs, I think I think he gives it a go at some point this season. Yeah, you said the uh, four-month mark would be the end of February. Like you said, we do know this guy heals fast. I mean, he's young. Uh, we were all young once. We all know that when you're young, you heal faster than than us old people uh, that are in our mid-30s or, or older. Um, so, you know, it, it's a potential that he could be back. That was always a potential. Um, I think uh, my question here would be, you know, does that change the Bulls' thought process when it comes to the trade deadline? Because uh, if you do potentially have Patrick Williams back and he's the guy that you're really hoping develops into that glue guy for you in the starting lineup and, and he, you know, you think you ha- he has all that potential, um, you know, is this something where his quick recovery is actually changing the arithmetic here or does that, does that change anything at all? What do you think? Probably. Not, not, not for me personally because mm-hmm. I'm still on the – I only trade him – if it's for Jeremy Grant. And I think I think if you decide you're going to pull the trigger on that one, which I'm still not 100% sure I would, if you decide to pull the trigger on that one, you're 
you're already best basically saying you need someone better. You need, you know, someone to push you over the top this year. Yeah. Whereas other than that, I think you hold up, you know, Patrick Williams development, especially after seeing the development from the other young guys on this team with Kobe, with IO, um, just picturing what Patrick Williams is going to be able to do. I, I think it does though, if you're AK in them, because you, if you can't get Jeremy Grant, who are the targets we're looking at? Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe Marvin Bagley. I think Patrick Williams coming back from injury is at least, you know, maybe not quite comparable to Harrison Barnes, but close enough. So I had some back and forth with, uh, with our friend Marquet um, from Bulls HQ pod uh, about Patrick Williams. And, you know, he's obviously, he's been on the show. He's obviously uh, uh, of the mindset and in the camp, firmly in the camp of uh, trade Patrick Williams for a Jerry and Grant, uh, Jeremy Grant, sorry, uh, or, you know, someone that will put us over the top this season. So he's firmly in the go for it win now mode. Uh, me, not so much. I mean, to be honest, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about trades here. And, you know, interestingly, we're, we're both in a mock here and, and I've already uh, pulled off a trade uh, that I think people would be excited about. But, you know, in, interestingly enough, I am in the opposite camp. I think Patrick Williams is. I won't, I won't say he's a, a budding star. I mean, that's not that's definitely taking it over the top. But I think he's exactly what this Bulls team needs. And I think he only needs a year or two to really develop. Uh, and become that guy. And, you know, we're we're about to – we're talking about Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy Grant, you know, don't get me wrong. He's a good player. He's fine. Uh, I've got nothing wrong with Jeremy Grant. But, you know, Jeremy Grant was a nobody until he blew up with the with the Nuggets. Uh, what was it, in the playoffs? Or was it just the ones before the playoffs or something? He, he had a really good stretch. And then he got that nice uh, contract with Detroit. And everyone was kind of wondering, can he be the guy? And he did a, he did a decent job being the guy. But – is he worth throwing away, you know, what Patrick Williams could possibly be? I mean, what are, what are your thoughts? Let me, let me just stop there and see what your thoughts are there. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he puts us enough over the top for me personally, uh, especially after looking at his numbers. He, he's never shot 40% from three. Um, so it's not like he's a knockdown shooter. And, He's been great in Detroit, you know, being able to get his buckets. He's been able to not be – he's not been quite as efficient, but it hasn't completely taken a nosedive. To me, it's just – I think he's so much better suited to be, like, the fourth best player on a team, Jeremy Grant. And I think he'd be great on the Bulls, but I don't – I don't think he – especially, again, if Patrick Williams is able to play this year and it's not – a zero because he's that bigger four. And I think he could even play the stretch five. Like tonight, I think you could have played Patrick Williams at the five uh, whenever they just kept putting the Vucevic, you know, Vucevic in the pick and roll. Just play Patrick Williams at the five if he was available. So Jeremy Grant, I mean, obviously he played for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and, you know, that team had Russell Westbrook. It had Paul George. Um, it had Dennis Schroeder. You know, they, they had some talent there. So, you know, this is, this would be kind of I, I mean th- that was not nearly as talented of a team as, as this Bulls team is, but it's a little bit of a thing you know we can at least start to compare right. And he played 32 minutes a game, 30 almost 33 minutes a game that season, and you know he shot 49.7 percent from the field, which is nice. Uh, effective field goal percentage was 56.7, very nice. 
13.6 points per game. So, uh, you know, he can do that. So I'm not saying it's a bad move. I think, uh, you know, I, I trust Artur. I trust Arturus. I think if he pulls that off, I think he's taking a look at this. He knows more probably than I or you or I do. But like you said, when, now he's been the guy in Detroit. I mean, he his effective field goal percentage is, is crap, right? I mean, he has to put up a lot of shots to get that 22 points per game he shot he scored last season. And now that he's got a little bit more talent next to him. He's he's doing even worse. Um, and you know, he's 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 27. I mean, he's still on the youngish side, but you're probably only getting a few. Uh, you know, years, I think, of Jeremy Grant at his peak. I, I just don't – he's not a jump shooter. You know, he doesn't have that skill that he's going to make him relevant all the way through, you know, year 33 or 34. So, you know, again, I'm not think, saying Patrick Williams is going to be a star of any sort, but I just think that when you're talking about, about the modern NBA, specifically on the defensive side, when you're talking about a versatile defender that can help you play that scattered defense we're talking about and get from one side of the floor to the other – uh, you know, in a, in a split second, because Patrick Williams really can do that. Um, you know, he's a guy. He, he's the guy I would want on the team. So I think, you know, if you stick with him, uh, even by next year, you're going to see some dividends here. Uh, and I know, you know, Mark did bring up, you know, his rebounding rate was atrocious uh, or not very good. Let's see. Um, trying to see what his exact comment was. So I don't misquote him. But um, basically, he said that he was mediocre in most areas. Uh, rebound rate wasn't great. Um, offense wasn't great. His offense is bad. His offense is not very good right now, uh, and I'm not going to defend him there. Um, he needs to work on that. He, his shooting was is okay. Uh, he can space the floor, and that's really all he can do on the offensive side right now. Um, are you seeing the same things? I thought he was starting to show an ability to put the ball on the floor and drive. It, he was injured on a play where you know he went in to dunk on Mitchell Robinson. So, to me, I think he's starting to develop those things. I think it's just a matter of when you have Zach, you have DeMar this year, it's not like he had a lot of opportunities to do that. And in terms of the rebounding percentage, um, I'm trying to look, you know, I'm trying to well, look. Let me, let me give up. you, while you're looking that up, while you're looking that up, let me give you my retort to Mark there. Uh, and and my, my retort to that remark was that he was tasked with guarding the best offensive player on the other team every single night in his rookie season. Uh, so I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass on the rebounding rate. The eye test doesn't necessarily tell me he's a bad rebounder or he's in, he's in bad positions. I think he ended up guarding, you know, he guarded the, the other team's best player all the way from Trey Young to Zion Williamson, right? It was like he could guard any of those types of players and do a decent enough job. And that's really where he shines and, and where the, you know, the great part of his game is. Uh, he needs to work on the offense. There's no doubt about it. But I didn't see anything as far as a deficiency in rebounding. Um, did you get those numbers? Yeah, so I looked up the on-off stats for uh, basically the, the team's rebounding rate. And he ranked in the 62nd percentile, which is, you know, above average last year, and was still 58th percentile this year. Mm. Um, so he was above average in both compared to the rest of the league um they were minus 0.6 percent and minus 0.8 percent so the rebounding was virtually the same whether he was on or off the court whenever you look at the on off numbers you so have to, I, I think yeah. i think it's i think it's the team rebounds yeah. just as well when he's on the floor but he's That's, not in positions to get rebounds like you said the numbers exactly. back up your eye test Exactly. And that's that's a better um, you do a great job with the stats, Trey. That's a better assessment, I think, is, is using that 
stat because you have to be careful with statistics. They only tell a story to a certain extent. You still have to context matters. And, you know, when you've got Patrick Williams chasing around Trey Young beyond the three point line or uh, attempting to stop, you know, Zion Williamson on a drive, uh, he's not he's just not going to be in position to grab the rebound. He's going to force the miss, which is going to lead to his teammates grabbing the rebound. Uh, and that's his role. That's what he does. He does it well. He does. He does it well. And, and he's only he's 20. I think now, right? 20, uh, 19 when he was doing all this. I th- Here's what I would compare him to. You know, how many people were high on Jimmy Butler in 2012, 2013 in his second season? Here, here's his numbers. 8.6 points, four rebounds, 1.4 assists, one steal in 26 minutes per game. The Does same that- Bulls fans that are high on Patrick Williams right now. That's, yeah. that's who was high on Jimmy Butler his second year. The same ones that are high on Patrick Williams now. And, and and what do you you know and, and obviously it's a different situation we weren't um we were good I mean you know we, we it was right in that Derrick Rose era just about you know it was kind of a funky time I mean you had Derrick Rose getting injured and everything uh, and then things you know got blown up a little bit but uh but you know we were talking about I think trading Jimmy Butler uh, at that time and, and we ended up trading Luol Dane instead. Uh, and promoting Jimmy Butler to the starting lineup. And then next season, he played 30, almost 39 minutes a game, 13.1 points, 4.9 rebounds, 2.6 assists. Um, but he shot 39.7 from the field. Ooh, that's pretty bad. 39.7 from the field, 28.3 from three. That's pretty bad too. So he didn't have, he didn't even have a good season that season. But now look at Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's a perennial all-star. Nobody would doubt that he is one of the best players in the game right now. Maybe top, I don't know, 20 player in the game, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. And I think Patrick Williams definitely has top 20 in the league potential, maybe even, you know, potentially top 15 if he can reach his peak. And I really hope that's in Chicago with this team. I I know Vucevic and DeMar are older, but Lonzo's younger. Patrick Williams is younger. Zach's not old. Caruso's not older. Um, Javante Green, Troy Brown Jr. I, this team has a young core other than, you know, just the two guys. And I think they I think they could, you know, I don't want to jinx them like the Celtics have been jinxed, but I think they could really grow into a team that is a force to be reckoned with in the East for, say, the next five, six years. I, I don't disagree. And, uh, you know, I think I think we need to think really hard about what we're asking as a fandom when we're um, trying to get rid of a guy uh, that just has, I think, just so much potential when it comes to winning basketball games. He's not going to put up flashy numbers. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a top I mean, he could. He has a. He has that potential, I think, to be like a Jimmy Butler type, and be in the top 20, 25 players. Uh, you know, I really truly believe that. I don't think a lot of people do. So I know people are going to say, "Oh, well, he's just a, a Patrick Williams stand, and he's you know ridiculously you know high on him." But even if he doesn't become that, you have to think about okay, what's the floor? And the floor is you know again, this is a guy which so can switch one through four, even fives. He can guard some fives. He's a 20 year old. He can shoot the ball from the three point line uh, with with you know efficiency, um, an efficient score on the offensive end and a defensive player. We're looking at like a PJ Tucker type, right? And that's like a floor. And that's again a guy that basically plays a glue guy on a championship team or, or, or a finals team. So I don't mind hanging on to this guy. Uh, and I think we need to really think hard about trading him. Uh, last thoughts on Patrick Williams. Uh, staying with those on-off numbers, it's small sample size. He only played 123 minutes this year. But the defense was uh, 
they scored minus 11.2, 98th percentile in the league better. When he was on the floor, free throw rate, 100th percentile. It, you know, he was tops in the league. The, so the defense wasn't letting guys get to the free throw line, and he was playing, you know, the team was playing excellent defense when he was out there. It, it shows through in the numbers yeah. that he is, he was just, when he was out there this year, the defense was significantly better than when he wasn't. And, after a night like tonight, that value only shines through more. Yeah. So uh, I do hope he comes back. Obviously, if he does come back, um, I do hope he plays. I hope he plays the final four or five seasons games of the season, like you said, and then and then plays in the playoffs, even if he does horribly and costs us the, the series. I don't care. I want to see him out there. I want to see him. I don't think still, honestly, uh, I know I said, you know, I'm starting to come around and think that maybe the Bulls do have a chance to win this year. Um, I don't, in my heart of hearts, if you were to ask me, put a gun in my, gun in my head, not something I'm going to say, okay, the Bulls have a better than, you know, whatever, 10% chance of winning a, a, a championship this year. Um, do you feel the same way or do you feel differently? No, I'm right there with you. Okay. I, I want to see, I want to see him get playoff experience. I want to see them go through, you know, go through the trials of it all. We watched the Bucks go through that and finally win the championship last year. I'm I'm happy to I I would like to see the Bulls get a first round victory. That's that's my goal this season. Anything more than that, I will be happy with. Um, yeah, sure, we'll be disappointed. You know, when they do if if they do eventually lose, you know, if they're not holding the trophy. But I think as long as they make it out of the first round, mm-hmm. it's hard to to say this season isn't a success. Yeah, I think even from the start of the season, that's that's kind of where we both were. Um, a first round win would be huge for us, and I'll take it. And whatever happens beyond that is just icing. So uh, we're in step there, my friend. Um, so now that we've talked all that and said don't trade them, let's talk about some potential pulls trades, uh, Trey. So uh, let's 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 satisfy all the people on the opposite side of our uh, argument here. But no, you and I, like I said before, we are both uh, in a mock. Uh, league, a mock trade deadline league. Um, but before I get into that, guys, and, and just to bury my, uh, you know, myself here, I want to stop real quick and just tell you to stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. So take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to your, our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yeah, I know we're supposed to eat those, but we used to be Hoopball. That's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Uh, you can do that to get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy. Turning it on just takes one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass, too. Uh, once more, that's expressvpn.com slash Hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. Uh, um, but, yeah, so let's talk about some potential trades, and we're both in a mock league a mock trade deadline league you're running the thunder and, and what's the other team you're running the Cavs. i can't thunder believe you're gonna Cavs. bring this up on here there's no way your trade happens in real life no no i don't think so either but i just want to talk about it because i think it's interesting uh, i'm running the bulls in the heat uh the heat really have no flexibility so i'm not even really trying there if someone shoots me a trade a trade that they think is good maybe i'll look at it but um i think the heat pretty much stand pat they might try, you know make a minor move and get a backup guard or something. I, I don't know, but, uh, but I think they pretty much say that, but the bulls are buyers at the deadline uh, rumored to be. Uh, so, yeah, so here's our trade here. Uh, obviously I've got the Toronto Raptors involved with this and you're the OKC thunder. So you're involved with this also. I'm the bulls. Uh, the bulls are giving up 
Here's what I'll, I'll do that first. We're giving up Patrick Williams. We're giving up Kobe White. We're giving up Ayo DeSumo. We're giving up Troy Brown Jr. We're giving up Dor- Derek Jones Jr. Five guys we're giving up. All five of those a guys. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. talent. Especially a lot of those talent. first three you listed. So Patrick, so Patrick Williams and Kobe White are going to the Raptors. Uh, to the OKC Thunder are uh, Derek Jones Jr., Troy Brown Jr., and Ayo DeSumo are going to the, Rap- uh, the Thunder. And the Thunder are sending a first-round pick to uh, the Raptors. It's the Philadelphia uh, first round pick in 2025. That's going to the Raptors also. So the Raptors are netting Patrick Williams, Kobe White, and a first. So what are the Bulls getting? They're getting Pascal Siakam, my friend. So uh, if you want to get really the best version of Patrick Williams, I don't know. I think maybe in my mind that is that is Pascal Siakam. Up, you know, This is peak Pascal Siakam I'm talking about. He's been a little underwhelming in recent years. Um, but you know, if he's playing the way he can play, I think this is the guy that uh, that could honestly take the Bulls over the top. So if it would happen in real life, I would be pretty into it. What about you? It's a lot. It, it's almost too much talent to give up for me personally. Just that that many guys. But I see the value in having a Pascal Siakam. He's he's shown that he can win. You know, on a big stage. You know, he's an NBA champion. That's not easy to do. And it's just, it's hard for me to give up Io, Kobe, and Patrick Williams, like all three of them. If you could find a way to keep one of them, I, I think I'd like it a lot more. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, having, so you'd still have Lonzo Ball, you'd still have Caruso. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm going to follow up this trade uh, with another trade, which I've already gotten approved just now, actually, where we were talking here. Um, it's perfect here. So yeah, I just just want to make sure I'm good to go. Um, so I'm flipping the 26 2026 Bulls uh, second round pick for Corey Joseph. So here's my uh, my depth chart after all these moves are done. These these two moves actually, but it's a lot a lot of moving pieces in that first move and that first uh, trade. So point guard would be Lonzo Ball backed up with Corey Joseph. And then third string would be Matt Thomas. And obviously he can play shooting guard too. He's just a shooter off the bench. Shooting guard is Zach Levine, Alex Caruso. Small forward, you got DeMar DeRozan, obviously. Uh, Alfonso McKinney, which I'm I'm all in on him being you know good enough to be a backup to play 10, 15 minutes, which is all he'll have to play. Because you've got Pascal Siakam at power forward who can also play right. small forward. Uh, and you've got Javante Green uh, also who can play small forward yep. or power forward. So you've got those four guys basically holding down those two spots. And then at center, you've still got Vucevic, uh, Tony Bradley, and you've got Marco Samanovic, uh, who's still on the roster. Uh, hasn't really played a lot, but, um, you know, you never know. Maybe he has to step into a bigger role. Uh, I don't think he would. I think the Bulls would still add another body probably in this scenario. So how do you feel about that that depth chart? Oh, I, I love it, especially Siakam's last six games. He's put up 23 points, 10 rebounds, six assists a steal and a half, and almost a block a game. So he's been putting up, you know, all-star caliber numbers, I feel like. You know, 23 and a half points, 10 rebounds, and six assists. That Those are all-star caliber numbers, especially from a guy who also is as good of a defensive player as he's been. He's taking three, three threes a game, making 39% of them. So, you know, he's able to also knock down the outside shot. He can help stretch the floor around DeMar. Uh, it would be a great trade for the Bulls, and I think if that was something that was on the table, they would have to seriously consider it. I would think seriously <laughs> maybe, consider it, maybe even even giving up as much talent as they were. 
Yeah, and I was hoping we'd have somebody on that was a, that's kind of a capologist um, to kind of walk us through what that would do for like the future for the Bulls. And uh, and I think he will come on the show at some point, so we'll, we'll ask him about that um, because Siakam is making quite a bit of money. He's making thirty plus million, uh, I think, for the next three seasons, if I'm recalling correctly. I don't have his contract up here, but he's making a lot of money uh, over the next three or four years. And obviously the Bulls still have to extend Zach with the with the max, um, which they're going to 100% do. But that does give you four all-stars. Uh, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Pascal Siakam, you know, Vucevic, they're all four capable of being all-stars. Uh, and Lonzo Ball, I mean, you know, he's not an all-star, but I think he could easily be – you can make the case that he is borderline. I think he's an all-NBA defensive talent, um, and he brings a lot to the table. So uh, not an all-star, but I think a perfect guy to pair with this kind of group. And and here's what I'm looking at when I'm making this trade, too, is I'm looking at that season that the, the Raptors won and how Pascal Siakam played off of uh, Kawhi Leonard, who is very, very similar in my mind in, to the way that DeMar DeRozan scores and spaces the floor. So I think he's got it in him, like you said, and I think uh, I think it'd be an interesting trade. Uh, but again, this is a pipe dream. Uh, the reason that the reason that the the uh, Raptors guy went for it in our mock thing is because he traded away Fred Van Vliet in a, in a previous move with you. <laughs> so he's in, he's in hard rebuild mode in Toronto. So getting, you know, Patrick Williams and Kobe White and a first isn't bad for him either. No, no, it was, it was understandable. Um, realistically, Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes, I think are two guys that would be interesting to look at. Um, anyone that we think could really play a small ball five and disrupt that pick-and-roll decimation, especially if Billy Donovan doesn't want to try and do that scatter defense. But to me, especially with as hard as the Bulls play on defense, as well as they communicate, I feel like having some controlled chaos on the defensive end and forcing the off, you know, get having the offense be reacting to what you're doing on defense instead of the other way around given the defensive talent and the way they're able to play together, I think that's an asset that the Bulls could utilize. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, so obviously Jeremy Grant is the big name here. Uh, that's what everyone's throwing around. So, you know, Derek Jones Jr. and Patrick Williams is enough to get that done. So if you send Patrick Williams and you send Derek Jones Jr., I don't know if Detroit accepts that, but I'm just talking about like salary-wise, uh, salary cap-wise, that that works out. So obviously you're getting rid of Patrick, and we've already talked about how we don't want to do that. But uh, say say you were a little less high on Patrick, does that make sense to you to basically? I mean, Derek Jones Jr. is kind of just a throw in there, and it's basically just Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant straight up, right? Yeah, I think uh, you you'd miss Derek Jones Jr. a little for that stretch five, but maybe you can ask Jeremy Grant to play that role a little bit. And other than other than those minutes, your what you have. Derek Jones Jr. for now, you'd have Jeremy Grant for. So what I'm actually in favor of, and I think the Bulls are probably more likely to do, uh, that's more realistic, is, uh, you know, I've been talking about him for a while here, um, Torrey Craig, uh, or a player of that caliber. Similar player, you know, just kind of a guy, um, borderline starter. I know he hasn't really started ever in his career, um, but he's played big minutes, and he's played big minutes on good teams. Uh, the Bulls have a TPE a TP created when they did the Daniel Tice trade, uh, which is in the amount of $5 million. So anyone that makes $5 million or less, the Bulls can basically flip you know, a second-round pick for for someone like that. So that's what I'm thinking they'll probably do. That's probably the most likely thing that will happen. Um, the t- guy that tops my list is Torrey Craig. Uh, I haven't really taken a look at other guys yet. I would like a little bit more size. Someone, like you said, can play a little bit more of the small ball five or even just – 
just play the five straight up. <laughs> so uh, any other guys that would come to mind uh, there, Trey? Uh, you know, obviously we can look at spot track and, and see if there's guys that come up, but um, just that, t- that five million TP, any other guys you think might fit into that uh, for the Bulls? Um, the five million TPE that I'm not a hundred percent sure. The other guy that I was going to bring up was I don't know if um, Mitchell Robinson is really in favor with the Knicks, and mm. I wonder if maybe he might be somebody that might be available. He yeah, he would definitely fit in. He's only making one point eight million, That's and he, like he he's someone who is going to need to be extended, and with them. Because they have Randall, they've got um, Obi Toppin's a big. They've got who's the other big that they have? Uh, Nerlens Noel. Noel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. So like they they have guys that are under contract, and if the Knicks aren't planning on extending him, may, you know maybe they might be interested in moving on from him. And that's somebody who I think could come off the bench and you know be an impact player a little bit more than a Tony Bradley. Yeah, I think uh, I think an upgrade over Tony Bradley makes a lot of sense too. So um, I'd be interested. I mean, I'd be very interested in some Mitchell Robinson um, just in general. I think he's uh, he gives us everything that Luch does not. <laughs> he does. He's got some good rim protection. Uh, not necessarily the best touch. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily the most polished offensive weapon. Um, but that defense uh, is is something that would be really key in, in situations like tonight where you're just getting taken advantage of over and over because you can't do anything but drop back in coverage off the pick and roll. So um, so I don't I don't disagree with that. I think that's good. Uh, any other trade targets you had there, uh, Trey, or no? No, uh, that's okay. all I had. He, uh, Mitchell Robinson's currently playing 24 minutes a game, so, mm. you know, that's down from last year. He's so, basically you know, a backup. You know, I yeah. think I – think, so Thibodeau would rather start Nerlens Noel over him, but Nerlens has been injured uh, pretty much all season, so Thibs has had to play Mitchell Robinson probably more than he wants to. Um, he's been playing Taj Gibson over him still, <laughs> like sometimes, like and Taj Gibson's ancient. He's like 37 or something. So uh, yeah, I, I think you could probably pry him away as long as like the Knicks. I, the only the only wrench in the system there for me would be that um, I don't think Thibodeau has the favor of the front offense and the, and the fan base right now, just because of how much they've struggled. So uh, I think if you were talking to, Th- to Thibs, you know, it, it, he would say, yeah, you know, I'll do that or whatever. You know, you could probably pry him away. But if you're talking to the Nukes organization as a whole and the fan base as a whole, just the Knicks, everything as a whole, I don't think that they would be interested in that, to be honest with you. Right. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. He's the other one. I've mentioned him before, but he's still a guy at Portland continues to nosedive. I know they just added him, but mm. I think he's a guy. I think he, I think he's big enough to play some small ball five. Even I think yeah. he's he's got the passing chops to come in and keep that offense, you know, keep the offense flowing. Be the zone buster when they go to double, you know, Demar, and then play that little three three man zone against the the four guys left over while they recover. Um, he's the other guy I target. Uh, other than that, that those are the only ones I had jotted down. And he'd make uh, all of our in-practice uh, secret dunk contests a lot more interesting to watch. Uh, you, you, you guys didn't know that, that out there, guys? If you're a Bulls fan, you get uh, access – a real good Bulls fan, you get access to a special camera with the in-practice in uh, dunk contests with Alex Caruso and Zach Levine and uh, Derek Jones Jr. and Larry Nance Jr. No, you don't – that doesn't actually happen. I wish it did, though. That'd be really cool. <laughs> uh, the, the Bulls have some of the absolute best dunkers in the history of the NBA. 
yeah it's uh, it's really uh quite impressive so um but yeah that's gonna do it for us guys uh quickly before we do sign up oh actually you know what let's talk real quick uh trey you know we've got uh our upcoming schedule here uh obviously disappointing loss tonight but we do play the pistons here on january 11th and then we have a, a it doesn't get any easier we have a back-to-back here on the 12th and the very next day we have the nets uh, so that's Tuesday and Wednesday at back-to-back, and then that's on the second half of a back-to-back. That's going to be a tough game. And then we've got my big one, my big New Year's resolution game on the 14th of, of January. That's Friday against the Warriors at 6:30. So, some big games coming up, man. Uh, obviously, Pistons. It, 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 you have a you have a kind of a danger there of being like a look-ahead game because you've got the Nets and the Warriors coming up. So you could l- overlook the Pistons thing, and they played us hard in that first game too. So um, tough games here, I think. Yeah, the Pistons have played the Bulls tough both games they played early on this year. Uh, I think if they had beaten the Mavericks, they'd be more inclined to look over the Pistons. But I think after the the like the, the drubbing, like it wasn't even like it was a close game. The Mavericks just put it on them there in the second half. I expect the Bulls to come out and uh, with a statement win over the Pistons before, like you said, diving into some tougher matchups. So. The Bulls did good earlier in the year whenever they had that that difficult stretch. And I I expect them to come out of this, you know, maybe hopefully still sitting in first place. Well, there you go. Uh, And we've got. Yep. So we'll have it all here for you guys. Once it happens, we'll be here to recap it for you. Uh, that's going to do it for us. But quickly before we sign off, we want to also remind you all to use coupon code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at MyBookie.ag. Use code HoopBall on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Uh, you're going to need them because uh, if you follow my bets, you're going to lose. Uh, no, but uh, that's going to do it for us, guys. I am Keith. You can find me on Twitter at BSBPKeith. Uh, Trey, where can people find you? On Twitter at FinalFinally. And follow the show, guys, at Ethos Bulls. And please, 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 please go leave us a review, a five-star review. Let us know. I see Greg's name there all the time. Uh, and, Greg, you know, you're always welcome to come on the show with us, guys. But uh, Trey and I have been doing this for a few months now. I want to see my name on there So uh, and, and Trey's name. So uh, give us a review, five stars. Tell us you love us uh, if you're on Apple iTunes. That's it. Let's go Bulls. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life and the Chime checking account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime checking account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.